Hey, welcome to week two of our Grow, Gather, Give sermon series on this Mid-City Church sermon cast. I'm so excited to uh, invite Taylor once again to share uh, as we continue in this series. And I've got to tell you, uh, I've talked to pastors all across the country about our model here at Mid-City Church. And the one thing that fascinates most people, pretty much everybody, is the the pattern with which we gather. And so Taylor's going to talk about gathering and why that's so important and the impact that gathering can have on our communities and even the world. So get ready, because here we go. So today I hope to answer a simple but pretty complex question, why do we gather? And I want to start that answer by kind of broadening our sense of the word gather. In church speak, people often define gather as when the church body gathers for worship, right? That's pretty common. Uh, in most churches, it happens every Sunday. And so that's the, that's the, the focus when it comes to gathering together. Uh, but the context of when we're kind of accomplishing this value of ours is, is much bigger than that. And practically speaking, Mid-City Church defines gathering in a very different way. If I asked you the question, when does Mid-City Church gather, what would your answer be? Would you say on the first Sunday of every month? You wouldn't be wrong, but you wouldn't be completely right either. Uh, this church gathers every week uh, and gathers most Sundays, which I, th I think is something we don't really realize because our, our view is so pegged into gathering for worship. So, but the way we gather on Sundays, we gather for worship, uh, we break bread over a meal together, participate in the vows of membership, gather for small groups. Mid-City Church is constantly gathered. And it's our scripture today that tells us the benefit of getting together like this. Ephesians 4, chapter 1 through 6 says, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So the Apostle Paul is what our, he kind of explains what our gathering should look like and what they should accomplish. He's writing from prison to the people in Ephesus. Now, Paul loved the people in Ephesus, and really for several, several reasons. Out of all of his missionary journeys, Paul spent the most time in Ephesus, totaling somewhere around two years, which was significantly longer than he spent anywhere else. Paul was the kind that would kind of come in, he would start something up, start a church up, he would spend a little bit of time there, but then he'd leave, um, maybe no more than two or three months at a time in a different place, and then he'd follow up with them in his letter. Um, when it comes to Ephesus, he spent, again, over two years there. Some scholars will say he spent upwards of three. Uh, and then these were the people, these were one of the people that he wrote to when he was imprisoned in Rome. So nonetheless, Paul loved these people. So um, he really admired their grit uh, when it came to their faith. So and the reason I say that is because the people in Ephesus, 
it would have been pulled in a lot of different directions. Ephesus was a, a really wealthy trade port, probably the epicenter of trade in the ancient Near East at the time. So money was king, right? So that temptation and to accumulate as much wealth as possible for personal gain was a really real one for them. Uh, but there were also religious temptations in Ephesus too. So Ephesus was, was also an epicenter for magic in terms of religion. So there was a cult called the Artemis cult, and it kind of held, it was a cult based on uh, teachings and deities of the underworld, and people feared them. And Paul took notice of this and kind of gains a pastoral heart for these people. He, he brings together two people that couldn't be more different. He was still trying to bring together Jews and Gentiles, um, like he deals with with the Romans, and, and he's dealing with it again here in Ephesus. But he's got all of these other things that he's kind of juggling too. I mean, th- this is not the easiest people for Paul to bring together under the name of Jesus, but I think that's what gives this passage so much beauty, is that Paul is saying, hey, despite all of the different directions you're being pulled in, despite all of the differences between your two people, there is unity in Christ Jesus and that you're really better together than you are apart because of that unity in knowing Christ. So don't you think that message still might resonate today? In 2022, people often label others as their enemies because of religious, political, and social affiliations. Before a word has been spoken, an opinion is made. And that's why the church gathering together is so important. When we gather together, lines are erased because of our unity in Christ Jesus. And that's real. We can come into a gathering together, whether it's worship, breaking bread together in small groups, however we're gathering, and this should be a place where unity in Christ reigns above all. So Paul tells us that when we gather together, we should gather with humility and gentleness, with patience and bearing with one another in love, and I really love this part, eager to maintain this unity that we have found. So not only should we gather kind of in this posture that he's describing, but we should recognize the unity that's present among us, and then we should be extremely eager to maintain that unity. Um, So what does all of that mean? What does it look like when the church is operating the way that Paul is talking about? So the Nicene Creed, which was kind of one of the first creeds of the church, talks about these kind of marks of the church as they've come to be called. Um, so it's saying that when the church is operating well, it is four things. And it's really always four things, but when the church is doing something really, really good, it's usually because it's leaning into these four things. Um, and I think the basis of all of this is the unity that Paul talks about. And out of that unity, if we can come together as one people, which we'll kind of dig into, then... Um, We can become all of these things, and ultimately, we can fulfill our mission as the church. So those four marks are the church is one, the church is holy, the church is Catholic, and the church is apostolic. So we're going to kind of break down each one of those and why they relate to our gatherings. So the one mark of the church is kind of what we just covered, right? But in each of these marks, I want you to ask yourself, how am I helping the church look like this? So how are you helping the church to be one body under one spirit? And maybe a little more difficult question, how are you not? Are there things that you're doing that are causing division in this body, right? Or in bodies that you are a part of? I think each of these marks deserves an honest look. 
uh, from us as the church body, right? This is a way that we can be eager to maintain that unity is asking those difficult questions. But the second mark of the church is uh, the church is holy. Now, we are not holy. We as human beings are not holy, but the church is made holy through God. Uh, we are made holy as the church to be able to fulfill our mission, which is bringing about the kingdom of heaven to the world. So gathering is actually a means of discipleship, right? The gathering together is a way that the church body is discipled um, and made holier in the eyes of God. So if you think we only talked about discipleship last time, you would be wrong because it's absolutely everywhere, um, especially in Mid-City Church. Discipleship is, is kind of the essence of every single thing, gather, grow, give, um, that this church does. So, um, And ultimately, everything the church does is, is aimed at helping the world catch a glimpse of the kingdom of God by becoming more like the kingdom of God. Uh, and, and we have great hope that one day that will become a reality, right? So, so that's, that's kind of the, the point of, of the church becoming holy, is it's moving towards that ultimate holiness that's found in Christ Jesus' return. So the third mark of the church, um, this, is a, this is a tricky one, especially for us in South Louisiana. So when, when I say that the, the third mark of the church is that the church is Catholic, um, we, we do have a very heavy Catholic or he heavy presence of the Catholic Church in South Louisiana, um, but that is not the Catholic that we are talking about here. Uh, so when we say Catholic, it, it means that the church is not bound to a particular place and time. And this is one where you can get really nerdy theologically, but I love this point because there's so much to unpack with it, and it really shows the power of this body, but also the church body all over the world. So this is a fundamental truth that we need to understand. A lot of times people confine the church to the building, but what that does is, is cause the church to only be the church inside of a building. It pretty much cancels out any possibility of the church being able to bring about the kingdom of God to anyone or anywhere outside of a particular building. So the Catholicness of the church gives the church an infinite reach, right? It does not limit the reach of where the church can go and bring about the kingdom of God. And I think this is what's unique about Mid-City Church. Again, this church shows that the church is not the people, and it's especially not the building, right? So we, we gather, if we just want to be extremely practical here, we gather for worship uh, in a building that's not, not ours, right? It, it's a space that we come once a month, um, but it's not, it's not a space of permanence, right? Uh, we gather over meals, at a certain place, but that is not that is not ours. That is not a place of permanence. And we gather in small groups in all different locations all over the city. Again, maybe at places that, that's yours, right, but not the churches. And I think this shows the Catholicness of the church. We are not tied to a building because we are the church because of the people, right? And every single time you gather in one or all of those ways, in one or all of those places, you are being the church. And we can take this idea of the Catholic Church and step a bit further by saying that not only are you being the church when you gather, but a theologian named Thomas Oden puts it this way, the church embraces believers spread out over the past, present, and future. To the church, Catholic belong all who have ever believed, now believe, and all who ever will believe. The church is celebrated as a whole community embracing all times. You are part of something so much bigger than just this church. This church joins all believers, past, 
present, and future, and all have a hand in revealing the kingdom of God. It kind of gives a bit more gravity to, to what being the church and what gathering as the church really means. So the final mark of the church is that it is apostolic. Uh, all the marks we've talked about are important, but if I had to pick one, I would want us to focus on this one because it talks about a fundamental part of gathering, and that's what we do when we're not gathered together. So when the church is apostolic, it shifts from being an organization with a mission to being an organization that is the mission. The church does not have a mission. The church is a mission. You are the mission, and it's embodied inside of you in Jesus. And, and Jesus really says this, kind of, well, he kind of shows this in the Gospel of John. This comes from chapter 20, verse 21. Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So when we go forth from our gatherings, we don't stop being the church, and we don't stop bringing forth the kingdom of God. If anything, that's when we start doing it, right? God has sent Jesus, and Jesus has sent us, and that really connects to the church being Catholic is that that mantle has continued to be passed down through generations of people, and we're continuing it, right? This is our chance to continue to bring about the kingdom of heaven uh, for believers that come after us. So we gather in order to be one, in order to be holy, Catholic, and an apostolic church. Uh, and as you listen to those marks, I hope some things were clicking because all of these marks of the church are extremely interconnected, and they kind of run rather linearly. Right? So when we're, we are one in unity with Christ, we can push each other closer to being a holy body by, by God. And this holiness we experience together, so there's that kind of unity note again, and it allows us to carry our mission outside of the walls of the places that we meet and into the world as a Catholic and apostolic church. And we as the Church Universal, all of God's people, past, present, and future, are working together to bring about the diverse kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. And when we gather, we're part of something so much bigger than a group of people that gather together. We become a group that has the power to change the way humanity sees one another through the love of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I kind of want to wrap up by using the words from the book of Hebrews that says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus— by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So I want to encourage you to never stop gathering together, however it is you gather with the church. The church is the mission, and you are a part of that mission, to help others see the kingdom of God until that kingdom is fully realized on that glorious day when Christ Jesus returns. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Mid-City Church Sermoncast. If you'd like to dive deeper, visit midcity.church sermoncast to find a home sheet that goes along with this message. On the home sheet, you'll find scriptures, 
questions to wrestle with, and a challenge that goes along with this sermon cast. I want to invite you to support our ministry here at Mid-City Church by giving today. To give, text the word GIVE, G-I-V-E, to the phone number 225-307-0662. Thanks and see you next week.